Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our Our teaching team team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion. To which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because because they they anchor us in something something which can can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere we exist to join god's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere we hope you enjoy this week's teaching we hope you enjoy this week's teaching we hope you enjoy this week's teaching from exodus 32 7 through 14 and the lord said to moses go down at once your people whom you brought out of the land of egypt have acted perversely They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I have commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them, and of you I will make a great nation." But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, It is with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath. Change your mind and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised, I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. The word of the Lord. So like Kara said, I'm Betsy. If I haven't met you yet, I've been at Genesis for a while, and every so often I get the opportunity to talk in front of all of you. Um... And every chance I do get a chance to do this, I am just so grateful for this community. I get a chance to just pause and be grateful for all of you um, and this community that really offers us an opportunity to come as we are. I really struggled with this message because I was wrestling with the lectionary. The lectionary is the Revised Common Lectionary is a sampling of passages each week um, that we get to learn from. And for me, this week's passages were really tricky. Um, depending on how you were brought up in the church, some of the texts this week, at least for me, carried a lot of emotional weight to them, and that just felt like a lot to unpack. My hope is when I'm in front of all of you and we get to gather together is that we have this chance to wonder and to be curious, and just to take a few minutes out of the week to wonder what God is like and how that might show up in our lives, both individually and as a collective. And so what I had to remember this week with the lectionary was that it's just a sampling. It's not all-encompassing, and the scriptures are a tool for us to step into, walk around in, and learn from together. And for every text of wonder and hope, 
Sometimes the lessons are the wrestle, and sometimes it's rage. And maybe that's just my Enneagram 8 showing. But as the saying goes, the truth will set you free, but first it might piss you off. <laughs> so so um, will you take a deep breath with me as well, and let's pray. Deep breath in and out. Maybe feel your feet on the floor, your hips under the seat beneath you. Just kind of take in your surroundings here today. God, you are steadfast, and I am thankful for your continued presence no matter where we are and for this time we have together to wander together no matter what. Amen. All right, so where are we in the story of the Israelites? Um, in Exodus 32, the Israelites have left Egypt. They received the Ten Commandments, but are still pretty early in their time in the wilderness. In the portion today, Moses goes to Mount Sinai for 40 days to receive a word to bring to the people. Down the mountain, the Israelites are under the guidance of Aaron and Hur. They become restless, so Aaron has them gather their gold jewelry to melt and create a statue of a golden calf. God brings their shenanigans to Moses' attention with so much anger and frustration towards a people who just aren't getting it, that he wants to end them. Moses speaks on behalf of the people, reasons with God that at this point he's done so much for the Israelites and now he wants to destroy them all. God listens, God cools off, end scene, according to the lectionary. But what we don't see in this portion is what happens after. Moses descends, sees the chaos that God was describing, and gets so mad that he throws down the tablets, shattering them in his anger, so much so that he has to go back up later and redo his work. And as someone with a tendency towards a short temper and impatience, um, this was the part that I enjoyed because I found it so relatable. <laughs> um, and with any passage, there were questions that came up. Like, how long had Moses been into this 40-day journey before the Israelites got restless? Who's Aaron? Who's her? Why would God devolve so quickly into destruction versus compassion and love? And this passage only told us what was happening on Mount Sinai between God and Moses. What would it have been like for the Israelites? So a little bit of context. Um, Aaron was the brother of Moses. He's part of the priestly class. Um, and her is another companion to Moses. So when God called Moses up to Mount Sinai, um, God instructed Aaron and her to be with the Israelites in Moses' absence. Um, the Israelites, y'all know the Israelites, but there are people enslaved in Egypt, led out by Moses. They're an intergenerational people whose collective identity was that of slaves. And though they were sheltered and fed and provided for in Egypt, they were still slaves. They didn't have any personhood or autonomy. And when they left, they weren't given a timeline or a destination other than the promised land. It was just an escape. So I'll play so we can talk together today. If you were an Israelite, how might you be feeling in Moses' absence? Restless? Restless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nervous? Mm-hmm. Nervous. Mm, looking for something to do. Mm-hmm. Abandoned. Abandoned. 
Disoriented. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. Contingency plans. Yep, just in case. Yeah, John, I felt similar. I That was my biggest wondering was, did they feel abandoned for good? The Israelites were a people that had been enslaved for 400 years. 400 years ago from now was 1622. So consider how much has happened since 1622. How many generations have passed? How much has changed? Suddenly, this was a group of people who were learning how to be a people out of this multi-generational identity of slavery. They had to find new rhythms, community, structure. And what we know now about the impact of generational trauma and epigenetics or how the study of our body holds trauma, they were also a body of people deeply traumatized, if nothing else than by the plagues and their escape out of Egypt. And while led by Aaron and her for the time being, they were otherwise left to their own devices to find some structure. They had recently received instructions on how to construct the tabernacle, so between that and their work in slavery, construction was fresh on their minds. And they used their gold, the wealth that they retained from their time in Egypt, to collectively build this idol. I see God's response summed up into this, like, you had one job. Um... <laughs> Like I said, no gods before me, and this is it. All right. Or like the marshmallow experiment. You know the one where like you give a kid a marshmallow and tell them that if they don't eat the marshmallow before the grown-up comes back, they can have two marshmallows. But if they eat the marshmallow before the grown-up comes back, that's all they get. Their actions were defined of any structure that they had been given by God at this point. But I wonder if maybe the Israelites were just trying to find some footing and some sense of collective belonging. Maybe that was their contingency plan when they were without a social system and were absent of the leader that they had been given to direct them. Not an all play, but has there ever been a time in your life that you left what you knew, be a physical place, a way of thinking, or perhaps a relationship, and found yourself trying to find a sense of direction and belonging. In the past, when I've heard this story, I think the Israelites have been portrayed as foolish for how many times they messed up. I haven't had much compassion or curiosity for them as a people. I see that differently now. I started dance when I was three. There have been very few weeks of my life that haven't included time in a studio. When I was 13, I started at a school with a teacher who saw me. Up until that point, I loved dance, but at times was overlooked. Not with Brenda. Brenda saw my potential and took me under her wing to teach me dance and life and about believing in myself. When I was in grad school, Brenda passed away. It was truly tragic for any student who had the privilege from learning from her. Brenda was a presence and taught her students lessons about being and personhood that far exceeded the studio walls. When she passed, her school closed and we all dispersed. Some continued to dance with different teachers, and some didn't, and some were really lost, but we all had to figure out a way forward and find a new sense of belonging. 
it wasn't pretty. And if I'm honest, I still ride the waves of complex grief all of these years later. When you leave a system that has held you, it's a process, it's a journey, it's a wilderness to find a new belonging. So I've made it this far without mentioning the pandemic. <laughs> I feel like that's like a record at this point. But there's no denying that the system we've been a part of no longer exists. The life we're living as a people has to find new structures, new rhythms, and new ways of interacting. From how we greet one another to how we exist in a room together. And for those who have been physically disabled or isolated or lost loved ones, the last two years have left us wandering in a wilderness. And then there's the church. Our time apart has changed us. Without the physical, in-person structure of the weekly liturgy, we've had to find a new way. We haven't been able to rely on each other like we had, or rely on a Sunday service to be our spiritual container. And for some, that's looked like a new rhythm of virtual connection. Hello, virtual people. Some have found alternative Sunday rhythms outside of the walls of a church service. And for others, it's looked like wondering where God even is and how to interact with the divine in their lives, while also taking apart this intergenerational identity in a church that they've been raised in. And all of those scenarios can play out in one small community. I think the change in how we live as people of faith at a distance has led us to a place of facing our emotions and our identity head on. Not to downplay the gift that community and church are, I think we're really truly meant to be together, but less consistent access to deferring difficult emotions to small groups or church leadership guides us to find new ways to hold our pain and find healing. Perhaps for you, it, shame and guilt has come to surface as you change how or if you attend a weekly service. Maybe you felt anger for new tensions or for what you feel has been taken from you. And maybe there's been grief, grieving what was, grieving what may no longer come to be, or the grief that just comes with realizing how much has changed. The arc of the universe is really long. And just as the Israelites tried, failed, and wandered, so are we. And just like we step into the story of the text and walk around in it, exploring what there is to understand, we get to do the same with our own personal story, as well as our collective story of faith. At times it is uncomfortable. Actually, it will be uncomfortable. And there may be some discouraging steps along the way. And you, me, we are never alone in it. And maybe for you in the distance, you found an expanded view of the divine. Personally, I found myself more connected to the innate goodness in each of us, in me, in the goodness that God has made me, body, mind, spirit. I found myself, as I wrestled with the text this week, actually standing up for God, recognizing that God is so much bigger and more expansive than our words can sum up. 
Each of us is so much bigger and more expansive than our words can make up. I found myself connected to trails and to water and the outdoors with this depth of gratitude and smallness. It's been different, but I've still seen God. Brene Brown writes this in her book, Atlas of the Heart. True belonging is the spiritual practice of belonging in and belonging to yourself so deeply that you can share your most authentic self with the world and find sacredness in both being a part of something and standing alone in the wilderness. True belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are. And one last linguistic note about the wilderness. The Hebrew root words that make up the word wilderness mean the place where God speaks. So I hope this wondering today leaves you feeling less alone in the wilderness that we find ourselves in. God is still speaking. We are not abandoned. And while at times we may get distracted by shiny things we construct and old ways we've developed for getting by, we are in this together. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any questions, questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.